This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport fan network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the quarter pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello everybody and welcome to episode number 270 of the Stacey West podcast. I am your host Ben and this week I'm joined by Chris. How are you doing mate? Are you keeping well? Hello, I am keeping well, thank you. It's the, it's the busy time of the year in my real job. Um, yep. So yeah, it's a, it's a busy one. It's a busy one, but we always like to make time for the Stacey West, of course. How are you? I'm good, mate. Yeah. It's uh, again for some reason this week has just gone ballistic in my uh, in my day job. Um, I've been a very busy boy, but uh, yeah, still um, finding time to do all of the other fun things in life, such as uh, the pod and of course uh, the training, which we will probably have some sort of update on next month i don't want to drown everybody with that already but uh yeah um no and i've also i'll tell you what not done not done sort of a, a random tangent for a while but have you been watching the traitors on uh, on bbc one no i haven't my partner is obsessed with it she loves it i kind of sat in the room playing football manager one <laughs> uh, one night last week while it was on and i i don't really understand it but apparently it's really good it is phenomenal television, Chris. You need to get on it. Um, maybe kind of jumping in at a random point is not the best way to to experience it. But yeah, definitely um, check it out. This season's been great. Like, there's been some utter bastards on that show <laughs> um, that people love to hate. And uh, yeah, it's been a really fantastic watch. But um, yeah, finale's tomorrow, so I'm, I'm incredibly excited about that. So uh, I was hoping... Yeah, when when I said uh, we might have to slightly delay recording tonight, um, I was thinking, right, as long as we get it done before nine and it's posted before nine, I'm happy because that's when it starts and I'll be lynched otherwise. Um, But no, look, it's been actually quite a busy week in terms of uh, Lincoln City News this week, hasn't it? Um, We've had all sorts. We've had a a special podcast that went live earlier in the week. Uh, We've got people leaving the club, quite a few people. uh, Well, two definitely and one... 
heavily rumoured to be uh, on the way out um, on loans, obviously, um, although one will not be returning. Um, but yeah, not one that uh, I expected to be quite as busy as this, even though we are six days out from the end of the transfer window. So um, let's let's get straight into it. I mean, obviously, the first thing to talk about this week was the accounts. It was obviously a massive bit of news. Um, Charlie and Gaz did a podcast sort of dedicated to this, so we'll keep it brief. Um, and Charlie obviously interviewed uh, Kira Maguire from The Price of Football. Really interesting listen on there to hear kind of a an independent expert's opinion on the club's accounts and and how the club is being run as a whole. Um, so a couple of things that, you know, we wanted to, to touch on before, you know, we, we put it to bed. Um, the headline figure is obviously two and a half, £2.6 million loss over the year. However, the bigger picture is still not the worst in terms of all of the EFL clubs. And also there's still no debt in the club, which is, I mean, that's the, the real headline, isn't it? You look at all of the other clubs that have been saddled with owner loans and all the rest of it, you know, horrendous debt across their their books. We still don't have any debt in the in the books, which is going to prove beneficial long term, isn't it, for, for the club? Yeah, and I think, um, firstly, a big special thank you to Kieran Maguire for coming on. I felt like it felt like a, it felt like a bit surreal, didn't it, for, for yeah. someone so so... Well, he's the he's the authority in this country about football finance, isn't he? he really, is the absolutely, yeah. But um, so to have him on, offering that impartial kind of opinion was was a real privilege, but also really interesting because, yeah, I think that was one of the points that he made. He says that you know that the headline figure is the two point six million pound loss. That is, of course, going to grab headlines um, locally, um, and he says it it goes to show the state of football that that's yeah. not bad. That losing two point yeah. million pound a year um, is actually all right. Um, yeah. Of course, there's new deals coming in next year. There's potential wage, cap, wage caps, etc. So hopefully that's going to be um, resolved. But the, as you said, the, the key here is that none of that loss is being paid for via loans. And I think yeah, you're right. Further down the line, that is that's super important. Now, of course, we don't want to continue losing two and a half million quid a year. No. Uh, nobody does. No, no clubs do. <laughs> um, but compared to other clubs out there, not just with the, that headline figure, but also how that figure is structured. Yeah, it's not it's not as bad as it seems. Um, mm-hmm. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Once the summer kicks in with the new deal, which you'd hope that the Premier League stops stops squabbling between themselves and finally gets that over the over the line because the the deals all agreed from the EFL side. Mm-hmm. It's just the Premier League squabbling with who pays what. From there. Oh, yeah, but there's no there's no EFL clubs that have gone bust yet, Chris. So we don't. Oh, need so it. it's okay, isn't it? Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Stupid. I bloody hate the Premier League. Unbelievable. Really Absolutely unbelievable. And also the fact that there's likely to be some form of wage cap coming in in the in the summer. Um, and we was in a supporters board meeting before the last game, so before the uh, derby game, where they explained a little bit about what the club are preparing behind the scenes, and it sounds like we're going to be pretty smart in that regard and trying to get ahead of the curve in that regard a little bit um, come the summer. Yeah. So, yeah, so it's, it's, it's super interesting. Of course, no one likes to see us losing 2.6 million quid a year. But the fact that Kieran Maguire says it's okay and we're we're still in his good books, um, that makes <laughs> me feel quite at ease, to be honest. Absolutely. Um, obviously, you know, the other one of the other headlines out of it is that the Jabara family are now the biggest investor in Lincoln City Holdings. So they uh, will have potentially a majority shareholding um, when it comes to things like that. So 
um, yeah, it, it's. I think there's a lot of, of positive steps to the future um, with this. And I mean, obviously, you know, we've we've met Harvey. We've spoken to Harvey before. Um, and we've we've met Harvey. You know, we've spoken to Harvey on the pod. Gary and uh, Charlie did their, their interview with him a while ago. And I think the investment isn't just financial with them. Um, you know, there's definitely a very personal investment as well, uh, which comes across every time you, you, we speak to him. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, it's a positive thing. You know, obviously a lot of people say, oh, Americans in football and all the rest of it. But no, I think this is a uh, we, we seem to potentially be the exception to the rule uh, for a lot of it. Yeah, I think that's a really good point in that. I have to admit, I've been probably part of that mentality, just generally speaking, thinking, you know, the number of just foreign owners in general, but particularly how many American um, investors are coming along. Um, but I think what's worth bearing in mind is, is America's quite a big place. Yes. Um, <laughs> and uh, and not every person that's from America that's got a, a few a few quid or a few dollars, should I say, are, are the same. Um, and yeah, I agree. I, I, it does feel that the Jabora family do book the trend a little bit. And I think, you know, the headlines out there that are a little bit laughable at times, you know, particularly Todd Bowley at, at Chelsea. Yeah, it, it, it does make you concerned. But I think, you know, we've the Jabaras have been involved with us for long enough now. Um, at least if you had the privilege to meet them, there's they're clearly a lot of alignment there with, with what they stand for and what they bring to the party and, and what the club stands for and, and, and is aspiring to achieve as well. So, yeah, off the pitch. It's all good um, on the whole, I think. And yeah. I think that in terms of another a positive that comes out of the the accounts, you mentioned um, the news in regards to the Jabara family, but I think that the real big positive that comes out of it that was probably a little bit unexpected, I'd say, was the um, record transfer sales in the last financial accounts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, again, we'll, we'll, we'll touch on it. Briefly, but the, the headline figures are that um, you know we, we our record incoming fee was John Akindi, um, and our record outgoing player is now Harry Toffolo. Um, following the the deals for him going to Forest after he's been at Huddersfield, um, I think to my recollection there was there was a bit of um, controversy when he left. Uh, Huddersfield because there was that dual transfer wasn't there, and it was sort of what is each player worth in that fee and I think the from what I'd heard or ascertained at the time I think it seemed like Huddersfield were maybe trying to pull a fast one in terms of not paying a huge amount of a um a, you know a sell on fee that we had in the contract um but either way it was an, a non non uh, a substantial chunk of change should we say that came through Indeed. um I believe his his fee is now worth around 600 well was £650,000 with all the add-ons, which is great news. Um, And then um, the other big bit that came from that uh, was was the news that uh, after the fact, I mean, at the time it wasn't the case, but after the fact, we haven't sold a player from the club making a loss. Um, There was obviously the, the, the figures in there for Jamie Robson were that he they made a slight loss on him at the time, but following subsequent appearances, it's now made up to you know making a small profit on that one. And I think there, I think it, it points towards uh, you know the model as has been used, and as Charlie mentioned on the pod, you know, is, is become a bit of a weaponized term amongst some parts of the fan base. I think this news pointing to that gives the club a little bit of vindication for the way that they're conducting the business and the strategy that's been put in place. Because 
while we haven't had that huge headline figure of we've sold a player for a million pounds, it makes sense that we are putting these clauses in contracts to say when this player leaves the club that we've sold him to, if they make a profit, we make a profit or you know we will make more money back. And I think even though there's not going to be a huge amount of you know major major profits on sales of players at the moment i think the fact that we haven't let a player go for a fee for a loss is a huge boost and a huge feather in the cap of the recruitment team and and the, the club for putting these deals in place and, and making sure that we can profit on players um you know that that's that's the end goal at the moment and like i say although we're not making millions with every transfer it all helps um obviously the the slight caveat to that is that we have seen a couple of players go at the end of their contract for example you know Regan Poole is the obvious one that stands out but I think on the whole it looks like we're doing business in the right way and I mean Kieran's even said on the on the pod as well that we are in the top you know the the top percentage of clubs in League One that would be making a profit from from player sales. So, yeah, it's uh, it's. I, I think there'll definitely be some vindication in the club um, for for the way that things have happened, despite all of the, uh, the the consternation, shall we say, elsewhere. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think it's so easy to to, to criticise the recruitment team at times, and and they do get criticised, and it's only right. That we we back them up when when it's kind of evidence, it's facts. You know, you can't argue with facts factually. They do they do a good job. And I think what's worth bearing in mind with this is that when you when you sign a footballer, you are obviously trying to improve what happens on the pitch. Mm-hmm. But they're not robots. You know, there are so many variables when it comes to signing a human being. Ultimately, yeah. Um, the ones that work out, we've generally made a profit on. Um, but the ones that don't make work out on the pitch, which they, they never or will the vast majority of them have still worked out for the club off the pitch. Yeah. Um, so we've still either broken even or, or still made a small a small profit on those plays, even if it hasn't gone exactly to plan. You're not going to get those big hits, those A-star, A-star signings every single time. But I think you've got to sometimes credit the structure of the deals and, and the, the plans that are in place, which means that the club's protected financially long-term. And I think there were probably lessons learnt um, in that regard from one particular player who has left the club this week um oh that with, you're doing you're doing the segues for me chris i'm loving mate, that I, I didn't even mean that it just <laughs> happened and i was hoping we were just going to do it smoothly but as you know on the stacy Watch podcast listeners, we can't we when, can't do a segue without pointing it out yeah because we're really proud of works. ourselves um, absolutely but yeah of course hakiba delican has left the club on loan for doncaster rovers um reports were of course that hacks was our highest earner was part of the summer transfer window, which probably the club looked back on and, and probably would admit a couple of mistakes were made. Um, it was also, I think on reflection, a really difficult transfer window because it's the window where the wage cap was scrapped mm-hmm. um, and clubs are therefore able to spend significantly more money than they were spending the summer before during COVID. And um, we've been reliably informed from the club kind of behind, you know, behind closed doors. What happened is we significantly increased our output in terms of wages that summer. Yet, in terms of compared to our peers, we actually went down in the league table in terms of what we were spending on wages. Um, yeah. So we actually kind of spent more to, to go backwards in terms of where you'd expect to finish. And there's a, there's a league table that comes out, which is published between clubs each season, just so you know. 
um, which is basically wage bill. So who is spending the most, second most, third most, all the way down to 24th. And there's normally within two or three places, by the end of the season, most clubs finish pretty close to where their wage bill is. There's yeah. always the outlier and the, the, the aim is always to try and over overachieve in that regard. Um, but what's like super interesting that particular summer is that we increased our output, but we went down in that league table. Now, of course, we actually massively underachieved in terms of league finish that season compared to our budget, um, which led to, to Michael Huckleton leaving the club. But in regards to Hacks, I think he was probably just a, a victim of circumstance in that regard. Um, he was a big signing at the time, but it, it just hasn't worked out. He's played under three different managers, none of which seems to have really settled on him. Um, and I think I felt a little sorry for him personally because it's not his fault that he was our biggest earner. And then when we restructured the um, behind the scenes in terms of player wages, that he was sat outside of that structure that was brought in, which meant no matter how weighted on the pitch, he was always kind of felt a bit temporary. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he's, he's moved on to Donny on loan. Yeah, I mean, it, look, I don't think anybody would wish him ill will. I think that the the circumstances, like you say, have not been uh not been the best for him he's he's kind of he came in and i think there was that first season where uh it was the i think it was the mk dons game at home which was where he, he sort of started to fall out of favor a little bit or he was bordering on falling out of favor um and i thought he had a, a relatively decent game that game and then we didn't really see him too much again obviously after that went to gillingham for a while um came back and and this summer we thought yep okay that's it is the last we're going to see of him wasn't given a squad number um and was you know praised from people at the club to say the situation is not great but he's handling it professionally and he's handling it well and that was proven when he came back into the squad um and for a short while was our was our top scorer <laughs> um you know came back in and we sort of thought well where's where's he come from you know he's he's suddenly showing glimpses of the hacks that we thought we'd see. Um, obviously, the highlight of his, his run in the, uh, in the team this season was against Charlton. I think there was, as has been pointed out several times, I think there was an element of the Chris Maguire at Sunderland uh, to that performance. You know, there was a, a definite edge to the uh, to the performance that we, we saw there that we didn't necessarily see anywhere else. But... Um, Look, it's it's a sh- it's a shame that it hasn't worked out for Hacks here. And like you say, I think there's a there's a definite stigma attached to um, the highest paid player in the squad, uh, if that is indeed the case. Uh, and unfortunately, you know, Hacks didn't quite live up to that. Um, I, th- I think the the point you make about the club breaking the way or breaking the transfer, sorry, breaking the wage structure slightly um, after that season, I think that's kind of inevitable. Um, given the amount of money, like you say, that was being thrown around by everybody after a season of having to stick to a strict wage cap, um, it, it we've always said that that season was an anomaly anyway for for so many different reasons, um, and I think the following season proved it because the, play, the the teams that could spend the money that they you know wanted to, all of a sudden, it's like, oh right, yeah, we, well, we've got, you know, millions of pounds in our bank, uh, so let's go spend them. And unfortunately, it led to a, a big discrepancy. But I, I didn't know, actually, that you what you said there about us spending more but going down in the actual overall spend table. Mm-hmm. Um, it's quite interesting. And again, you know, you look at somebody like Hacks coming in, um, 
big headline signing. I know Gaz said that he thought he was going to be a marquee signing. I think, to be fair, we probably all did, um, looking at the pedigree and the history there. But, uh, yeah, it's just a shame that it didn't work out. And hopefully he can uh, start to rebuild a bit of a career again at Doncaster. Um, I genuinely do hope it works out for him. Um, and I hope he can, you know, find his way back into a, a regular starting spot somewhere. Maybe League Two is more the level that he needs to be looking at at this point. We don't know. Um, but obviously the, the big headline there is that he's left the club now. His contract's up in the summer. So it is not likely that we'll ever see Hacks in a Lincoln City shirt again. Um, and I think there won't be too many people that are going to be uh, crying over that fact, will there? No. I agree. I, I think it's good to get him off the wage, but it's good for him to get some some you know, guaranteed game time at a level that I think he's going to play week in, week out at. He struggled at Jeddingham last year, but playing in a side that just didn't suit his strengths at all. Yeah. Um, but I think regardless of how, how well he's done as a player or not, depending on your out, outlook, I think um, there definitely is a, a real credit to him here as, as a person in regard to his resurgence recently. Yeah. Because not only has that helped him get a move and play football, but it's helped us get him off the wage bill to an extent. Yeah. We, 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 I expect Donnie probably covering half his wages or something, which is going to be a fair old chunk. Um, but let's just think about it. He could have gone, well, he didn't give me a squad number at the start of the season. I'm down in tools, this season. It. Yeah. Bugger. Yeah. Bugger, yeah, basically. I'm not going to bother. Um, in which case, he could guarantee the wage that he's, that he's, that he's been on for the whole season. What's happened is he's really applied himself. Um, he's obviously got himself a move, which means he goes, he's able to play football. He's not going to get paid, being paid any more by Doncaster than he is here combined. But what him applying himself in the right way, having the impact that he did have, um, on which it dropped off, he had a real immediate impact that was kind of headlighting grabbing, that allowed League Two clubs to take notice of him again, mm. which then allowed us to make it easier for him to, to move on. So I think you have to kind of credit him there. Yeah. Um, of course, it's for his own benefit in terms of his career, but I think he could have quite easily done that in the summer and just not had his feet up, but you know, kind of for want of a better phrase, tossed it up a little bit this season. Yeah. And he has he's done very much the opposite. So I think fair play to him. But yeah, he's gone. I very much doubt uh we'll see him in a Lincoln City shirt again. But I genuinely do wish him wish him all the best. Um but another yeah. one which has probably took us a bit yeah. more by surprise, would you say, this next one? Yeah, this this I think this caught us all by surprise. Um when it when it got announced, but um, uh, I think also if you'd have said maybe at some point uh, late last year, oh, by the end of the season, Danny Cowley will be managing Ali Smith, there would have been a lot of very very excited people, <laughs> um, probably yourself included, Chris. Let's not lie, um, but uh, yeah, uh, Ali Smith has gone out on loan to Colchester United um, until the end of the season, which yeah. I at first I thought, oh, that's a that's a very weird one because Ali Smith has played the second most outfield games in the squad behind Lass Sorensen, and he's also tied with Adam Jackson. So a player that has gotten regular League One football without any real threat of his position in the squad at the moment, that's that's the key part at the moment being jeopardized. To go to a League Two team that uh, I think, let's be fair, survival is probably their key, their aim this season. It was a real surprise, but 
then you, you take a step back from it, you look at it and you go, oh, uh, okay. There's been a lot of talk uh, from the club and from Michael Skibala in particular about bringing in somebody with experience or, you know, this the experienced player. And I can't remember if it was um, when we were having a chat away from the pod or if at some point it was on the pod, but I said that um, for me, if you're looking for a player with experience that you need to be that kind of key figure to, to help the players around them. For me, it's either somebody that's going to be in central defence or in central midfield. You you need that kind of like Liam Bridcourt or Michael Boswick character. Um, and unfortunately, for well, unfortunately for Ali Smith, you're not going to get into your preferred position of central midfield at Lincoln City as long as Ethan Hamilton is fit or as long as Ethan Arahan are fit. Those two are fit together, they play in central two. That's it. It's end of story. But also, if we're looking to get another experienced player in, you're not gonna make the you're not gonna come off the bench ahead of this player that we're we're potentially looking at because they're gonna be needed to shore things up and make sure that, you know, karma heads are all around and all the rest of it. So this obviously drops a massive hint that we've potentially got somebody coming in very soon. But I think it could be a decent move for him. I think, you know, we all know what Danny uh, Danny Cowley can do for players that are potentially maybe low on confidence or, you know, just need a little bit of shoring up. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I, I think it will probably be a decent move for him and hopefully he comes back to us looking a little bit more like a League One player that we can put into a position and make it his own next season because I think that's been part of the problem really, hasn't it, where he's not had, he's not nailed down a position that he can say, that's my spot. You know, he's been here, there and everywhere. He's been central midfield. He's been out on the wing. And he's just not found that he's, he's just not found that rhythm at Lincoln yet, has he? I think that's the main point. Because you said that he's made the, the, the second highest number of appearances outfield for us, um, which of course is correct. But he's played a number of positions and rarely has mm-hmm. he played in his favoured position. Now, I think partly, again, a victim of circumstance because... He has got that physical profile, so he has been kind of asked to play kind of slightly further forward when we've been short up top. Um, and, yeah, he hasn't, at times, he, he certainly has looked a little lost up there. But at times, he's also, I, I felt like he's impressed. But I've, I've been impressed with him without the ball. I think it's his technical ability just in possession that maybe is something that needs a little bit of work. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think in terms of, is he going to get regular minutes playing in League One for us in central midfield? No, absolutely. No, like you said, when when Ethan Hamilton and Ethan Arahan are fit, and also I think a real key ingredient to this is the re-emergence of Ted Bishop, who got ninety yep. minutes on Saturday, and yep. I think the ta- it was only one game, so it'd be really interesting to see what happens against Peterborough if this continues. But Ted played next to Arahan with Hamilton in that kind of dual winger slash central midfielder role that you had Hamilton, uh, so you had Arahan sitting and, and, and ball winning. Uh, deep, and then there was the real ball playing ability of, of Ted next to Arahan, and then um, Hamilton with the legs doing um, the kind of dual role, that real kind of highly, really aggressive role. Now, um, Ali Smith hasn't got the technical ability to play that role that um, Ted Bishop played. I'll also argue that Ethan Hamilton hasn't got that technical ability. He's got so many other, yeah, hugely important attributes, mm-hmm. but. I think his, his real calmness and ball playing ability is, is one of those, you know, Ethan Hamilton's strengths are his all, his all action, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's superb at that, really is. Um, I think I looked at Weisscout earlier looking at the posh game and um, just looked at 
I think just overall duels. And Ethan Hamilton was like fourth in the league, just overall duels. He's <laughs> um, our very own Highlander. Yeah. Um, yeah, like runs towards danger. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, in regards to Ali Smith, yeah, I, I think he, as much as he has had a lot of appearances so far this season, and I have to admit, I was really excited by him. He, he seemed like a real Lucas City signing. I'll be honest, he seemed like a real Mark Kennedy signing, adding some real steel and some physicality yeah. to the midfield. But at this level, you can't have that with that real expert ball-playing ability because if you did, you'd be playing in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's an element of his game I think he needs to improve. Um, and playing week in, week out in League Two under a manager that we know he can trust. And also, there's an element of um, this loan in regard to just style of when we signed Marco Hara on loan. Yeah, no, I can see that. Style's got a centre midfielder there. Um, so I, I genuinely hope Ali Smith goes on as has a successful few months at Colchester, playing week in, week out in a position that, that he's going to be really comfortable in, and then hopefully can then come back into our squad. Um, in the summer because we mentioned this may pave the way for um, an experienced head to come in and help us for the rest of the season. I would be super surprised if we signed a permanent player. Yeah, 100%. It's going to be, it it will be another short-term position, like either a a loan until the end of the season or a short-term contract a la John Marquis. I think so, yeah. And of course, they're harder to come by. Because oh, cool. you know, yeah, getting yeah. a young player on loan for six months, you can, there's millions of them to choose from. Um, but getting an ex, you know, someone that's going to really influence and impact the quality of our starting eleven, mm-hmm. that also fits that profile of experience and also has an element of longevity that you know hasn't got a history of severe illness or isn't you know hasn't not played for ages. But there's not many of those. Um, so yeah. I would imagine there's something lined up, or at least there's some confidence behind the scenes that there's we're going to be able to get somebody in in that I- regard. I would be shocked if we don't see something, um, if not before Peterborough uh, Monday at the latest. I, I think there there has to be something in the pipeline for this to um, to have gone through this week for Ali Smith. I think we might it might be later than that. I, I agree in regards to. I'd be super surprised if we didn't see anyone coming in. It wouldn't surprise me if it was deadline day. You know, we've we've only got one game between now and then. Uh, between now and the end of deadline day, so it doesn't matter. It doesn't make a huge difference whether we sign him on no, nine o'clock on Monday morning or at, you know a minute to the deadline. As long as we get him in uh, and the front mm. of the squad for the rest of the season, it'll be super interesting to see who we go for though. Because uh, as much as we two players have left, and um, there, there might be a, a third, which we're going to touch on in a moment, um, I still only think we need one player. And I know Gaz disagrees. Gaz thinks we need two. Um, and I'd like to, but I genuinely think we only need we only need one. I think we need somebody who is just really good on the ball, that's able to 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 make intelligent decisions high up the pitch. And how we've been playing recently uh, with our four four two out of possession three five two in that right midfielder slash right central midfielder, depending on in and out possession, mm-hmm. um, the position in the last three games. That th- that's two games, sorry, that three different players have appeared in. Um, so against Wickham last started there and then Ted came on in that role and then against Derby last week, Ethan Hamilton played 90 minutes in that role. For me, that's the that's the one part of the pitch in our current system which hasn't got a square peg in it. So someone who is really confident on the ball, that's got a decent engine, that can play 
an attacking midfield role, but can also play kind of an inside central midfield role as well. Danny Mandroyo could probably do it. I have to admit. I was um, going to say Mandroyo might be the, the yeah, the, you know, not quite a square peg, but you know, a slightly rhombus shape. <laughs> yeah, you could squeeze him in the hole if yeah. you had to. Yeah, um, but yeah, I think in terms of. But that style of player, for me, it's not necessarily like a, a it's not a boss we call Rick Cut that's a ball crasher and a ball winner. I think we've got Ethan Arahan that does that role. For me, it's actually somebody that's really technically proficient that when the ball gets up the high up to up, up the pitch, we can keep it up the pitch. Um, that's what I'd like to see. Who that would be, I don't know. Uh, I genuinely don't know. It'd be really interesting to see who it is. But that's all I think we need. Of course, if we can have extras for bodies, great. But I do genuinely think a player with those attributes is is the only real missing piece that Jigsaw at the moment in terms of both depth. And in terms of like first team quality, yeah. I mean, you say depth. I think this is where my my thought was, and it we'll move on to the final sort of rumored transfer at the moment. Um, where I think my my initial thought on this one was, if this person leaves, and particularly with Ali Smith going as well, it, I wonder if it leaves as potentially light in a couple of positions. But um, the Daily Record up in Scotland are reporting that Jaden Brown is. Uh, heading up to St Mirren on loan until the end of the season. Um, so, um, yeah, interesting one. And it's again, it's a it's a spot where I think initially I thought we'd, we'd be light if we lost a left-back. However, I then thought about it again and thought, well, actually, no, because Sean Rowan's playing left-back in this hybrid 4-4-2, 3-5-2 um, formation. And we know from what Sean said at the start of the season and also what was you know, reported and kind of pushed, I think, by the club a little bit was that Sean Rowan prefers to be playing as a centre back. So if you stick him in a left back position, then then when we move forward, he will move into the centre back position. Or, you know, even at some points when the when the counter's on, he will be in a centre back position. I think that probably suits him quite well. And then like you mentioned off air before we started, we've still got Jack Burrows there. Um, who is able to cover that. And then when we're moving forward, we've either got Burroughs if he's on the field or we've got Rico Hackett coming back to do the same job. So And Duffy as well. And Duffy, both of course. played in that kind of left wing, but also left wing back dependent. But it's, it's a left attacking left winger. Yeah. Um, but it's the player playing ahead of Sean Rowan. And then if, if Sean's injured and, and, and Burroughs is, is unavailable for whatever reason, then you can still go back to our normal back three and then yeah. you play Hackett or Duffy at left wing back. I don't think we're light at left back or left wing no. back if Jaden Brown leaves. And I don't think he suits either of those roles in our current system because he he's too attacking, attack-minded and maybe a little bit lightweight in regard to aerial ability to play a left centre-back role slash left-back. But there are players far more effective effect, offensively in Hackett and Duffy to play in that winger role ahead. So it makes... T- obviously, we don't know yet, but I think it's quite likely uh, for me that Jaden Brown does leave the club on loan this January, whether it's St Mirren or, or elsewhere, we'll see. But it, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see that happen. And, but there is a bit of a difference here in my mind in regards to the long-term impact of this loan. Because with Ali Smith, I fully expect him to come back and be part of the squad next season. Mm. Even though that Jaden Brown does have another year on his contract, unless we change system again in the summer he doesn't quite fit with what we're doing at the moment. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me um, if this is an opportunity to look at something more permanent for Jaden in the summer. I don't know. And that's nothing against Jaden. It's just, he's been a bit hard done by in regard to opportunities and then system changing now just doesn't suit him. And, and Skibola has mentioned 
recently about the need to get minutes into him so he can mm-hmm. then impact the team. Um, he can't get minutes without playing games. So the only option of that is behind yeah. closed doors, friendlies, which aren't as competitive or a loan out and then reevaluate in the summer. So, yeah, good luck to him if and when he does go. As you said, we don't know yet, but yeah, it makes sense, doesn't it? It does make logical sense for all parties. Yeah, I think there's been a few conversations around the ground, you know, before the games when we've been speaking and, you know, between ourselves and other people where we said a loan for Jaden Brown at this stage makes sense in order for him to get a, you know, minutes into him and B, I think he's a confidence player. Um, mm. But we will see. And uh, hopefully, again, you know, hope it all works out. But um, right, we're just going to take a very short break and we will be back immediately after this. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the quarter pounder with cheese. Mmm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. And we're back. So um yeah, we've been um been fortunate enough this week to have two games to watch some highlights of. Um the first one obviously being Derby at the weekend. Um and then the second one being Derby again. Although this was uh the under 21s um playing the Derby and 21s. But it was interesting to note that there were a number of first teamers in the uh, under 21 squad. Um, which may have been the reason that we won 4-2. But um, at the same time, uh, an interesting look at the uh, the under-21s um, squad, I guess, from somebody that doesn't normally pay too much attention to them. Um, we've had, I think there was two goals for Dylan Duffy and two goals for Jack Moylan. Um, obviously, two names that we'd expect to see playing in the first team. Uh, Danny Mandroy also started, as did Paulie O'Connor. Um, and, um, yeah, some, some interesting bits to take away from that game, wasn't there, Chris? Yeah, it's just quite nice to be able to have highlights of these kind of behind-closed-doors games. So mm-hmm. it was labelled as an under-21s game, but it's more like a B-team game, really. So yeah, yeah. the kind of Brentford's, uh, Brentford's set-up in that they have a B team that kind of sits below their their main first team that, that play a lot of friendlies, but they're kind of friendlies against reasonably competitive opposition. I think we're looking at trying to do something along those lines um, to an extent, maybe not quite as officially, mm-hmm. um, trying something along those lines because we're not going to have an under-21 squad in an under-21 league. I don't because you have to have a full squad then of 20-plus players at that age, and we haven't got that many, and then you're carrying players that are never going to get in the, in the first team. Um, but to use these opportunities to play 
young players and, and give them opportunities to play against strong opposition and also with professionals, um, you know, like like senior pros. And also it's an opportunity to give the lads that haven't had that much game time, more game time. Um, mm-hmm. So in situational rounds, it's always nice to to, to win against a, a big club, regardless of <laughs> whether 21 teams or not. It's good for the likes of Dylan Duffy and Jack Moylan to, to get some goals under their belt as well. Interesting to see that Dylan Duffy played on the right wing. Um, towards yeah. the game. That was that was really interesting. I know he's, he's done it, he did it in Ireland a little bit, but he's pretty much predominantly under Skubala and playing left wing back or left wing for us. So it was interesting to see. Um, I mean, if, if, right. Yeah, I was going to say, just quickly on that, touching on that, if anybody hasn't seen the highlights yet, go check them out. They are on YouTube on the club's channel. But his first goal of the of the game came from an absolutely sublime pass from one of the lads in defence. Um, just completely split the Derby defence. Dylan took it in his stride in the air, um, knocked it down and, and just you know saw it home. A really, really smart finish and a really, really good goal. Um and I think I almost wonder if what we've seen from Michael Scubala when he was the youth team or the you know the the twenty threes coach at Leeds, I wonder if that's kind of what he wants to imp- impress on us and say, right, this is how the first team play. Therefore, this is how you're going to play at the under twenty ones level. So it, it breeds that consistency throughout the squad, so that they know, regardless of where I'm going to play whether it's you know in this the B team or the 21s game or whatever you want to call it, is that going to be the way that it, it just filters up through the system? So we're, we're developing players that will slot into our system? Yeah, I think there's an element of that, definitely. Certainly from a, from a, a certain level down, so definitely under 21s, probably under 18s as well. Below that, I'm not too sure. Um, it's a long time ago since I was in the academy, but when I was there, what we did, we had a month. We had month blocks where we played different systems. That would right. nothing to do with the first team, more about just educating on just understanding, learning the game, really. I suppose that makes uh, sense for roles. an educational perspective, um, doesn't it? But in terms of maybe some key principles, in terms of style, not necessarily information, but in terms of style and, and, and yeah, like certain systems and strategies within games and, and yeah, like, yeah, certain kind of key key indicators, I think, like the desire to play out, the desire to, to press high, the desire to move the ball quickly, for example, um, regardless of what system you're in, probably... Probably sits. I, I don't tend to read too much into these games in isolation, by the way. Oh, no. It was nice to get highlights because normally they happen and we don't hear about them and we don't see them. So it's nice to have some highlights to watch. It's nice to yeah. analyse things. But yeah, we can't read too much into it. But ultimately, a win against Derby in a friendly is always a positive. Some first team players getting some minutes and getting some goals under the belt is a positive. Hopefully, hopefully we can then move on into Peterborough on Saturday with, with a little bit of confidence. Yeah, and I think just to just just to drop back for a second there um i think the the key thing for me was looking at jack moylan in those highlights i think he he came on um against wickham obviously and you know had that uh, absolute stinger of a shot that that uh, made us all sit up and take notice and then i think he he had a, a decent you know decent cameo again on on um, saturday so i think uh whether he can continue that and and it, it seemed like a really good way of getting minutes into him. And there was a few few bits in those highlights where I think there was one instance where he tried a chip. And it's like, you, you wouldn't try that if you're not feeling confident in yourself and your ability. I mean, yes, it went about six yards wide, but let's not talk about that side of it. Yeah, I would also argue you probably wouldn't try that in a game. In a League One game. People yeah. watching either. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, it's good to see that he's he's clearly got talent and ability and belief in himself to, to even attempt that 
on a pitch anywhere. <laughs> um, but yeah, hopefully, you know, that that's breeding into him and, and uh, getting his confidence up. Also, I do wonder if it potentially hints at Danny Mandroya coming in on Saturday um, for Ted Bishop, but we will touch on that in just a second as we move in to previewing Peterborough at home on Saturday. And first up, we've got Charlie, who's speaking to Keelan from The Real EFL. I'm Lucas Jensen, and you're listening to Stacey West Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Stacey West channel and to another preview. Yes, we've had the joys of financial accounts this week. If you haven't seen the podcast slash YouTube video that has gone out on that, please make sure to check it out. It was a really, really interesting one. But we're going away from the numbers and all of the off-the-field discussion of the model to now talk about on-the-field stuff, if you like, uh, and actually be talking about one of the teams who potentially have one of the best models in terms of the recruitment strategy in this league. Now, I'm not going to be talking about Peterborough United all by myself. No, I am joined by Keelan Sarson. How are we doing, Keelan? Very good, mate. Are you? I am really, really well. Now, Keelan is a co-host on the um, Real EFL podcast and also writes for the Real EFL site uh, as well as others as well. And we've done podcasts, obviously, on there before, haven't we, Keelan? And uh, we're obviously yeah. in different sort of group chats and Discord groups and such now. And... I get a little bit bored because every single weekend it is just constant from Keelan banging on about another Peterborough victory. It's obviously going all right for you at, at this point of the season, especially Keelan. Why don't you kind of talk us through the season as a whole? Yeah, I think, you know, before a ball was kicked this season, you know, we lost a lot of players in the summer, a lot of it experienced players or players that had been there for a while and it was billed as a as a bit of a transition season a bit of a, a season where you give the younger talents a go mm-hmm. and, it, and it started relatively well but I think it's it's been ever since weirdly we lost three games at the end of August and then since then we've only really we've lost one game away at Wigan and we just at the moment have that knack of of picking up wins I don't think a lot of the wins recently have been that exciting or that like we're not bulldozing teams but we just have that that knack of of picking up wins at the moment and it's just it's just great to watch because I don't think any posh fan really expected us to be in the automatic promotion spots I think a lot of people looking in always expect posh to be in and around the promotion spots but I think even even our chairman who's who loves waxing lyrical at the best of times was quite under you know under underwhelming with how he, he thought the season was going to go and so to be where we are now at the moment you know within breathing distance of, of the of the you know top of the league is unbelievable uh, absolutely and it has been you know especially in sort of recent games an incredible run that you're on and I've got to be honest actually at the start of the season uh, in our predictions here on the Stacey West I actually predicted you guys to kind of be the Whatever the whatever the term for the opposite of uh, dark horses is, the sort of surprise disappointment of the season, because you know there were, it was quite a big transfer window in the summer, and I, I thought at that point because it was July that we made these predictions before a ball was kicked uh, that you'd maybe lose a couple more players that you've actually managed to keep hold on. You know, Ronnie Edwards, for example, in that a player who I, I very highly rate. I think we spoke about him on the last preview we did. Um. But actually, you've, you've, well, you've, you've very much proved me wrong. 
Um, I think one of the, from the outside looking in particularly, and if I just look at sort, sort of the base stats, something that really seems to be setting you apart from not just the other teams in and around you, but the rest of the whole division is your goal scoring ability. Now, I don't know whether you have somehow managed to particularly score two goals in every single match, but it seems like every time I look at this table and I have a look at matches played and goals for, you are always averaging two goals a game. Because the last time I looked at this was two match days ago when I was doing a real EFL podcast and it was it lined up perfectly to two goals a game. It's lined up perfectly again now. So the goal scoring ability, what is it that's making you bag so many goals in this league? I think weirdly... Dropping, I know it sounds a bit mental, but dropping Johnson Clark Harris and not having you know that over reliant focal point in the team has really helped us out and spread the goals out. And I think it's it's the way we play now with with Ricky J Jones as, as the lone striker. He's a lot a lot more pacier than than Clark Harris, and he just it just suits our style of play a lot more. And I think with Kwame Poku and Ephraim Mason Clark. A lot of League One defences at the moment are, are finding it quite hard to contain them. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's just, we just have, I mean, Fergie teams over the years in, in many spells he's been here, we've always been known as a, we'll probably score more goals than you sort of team. And I think it, it's, it does set us apart because, you know, when you look at our promotion rivals or automatic promotion rivals in in Derby County, have fired blanks recently. And it, it does feel like we, even when we go behind in games or we're not playing at our particularly our, at our strongest there's a there's a goal in the team from from mm-hmm. somewhere and I mean even when we beat uh, Shrewsbury 2-1 Josh Knight bags a bags a goal in that game who's who's been fantastic recently so everyone's everyone's stepping up and I think when we got promoted from the division last time it was you know Johnson Clark Harris was the was the star man or, or the talisman and now really it's a it's a real team effort and and everyone's chipping in now before so, you know, before, before we were doing this preview, I, I made sure to, to brush up on some of my stats uh, in regards to, to Peterborough and, and make sure to watch kind of a few clips as well. And I do that often, not just to kind of give myself a sense of what the opposition is going to be like, but also to, to kind of give me a little bit of optimism by looking at some weaknesses. But it's quite difficult to find some of them at the minute with Peterborough, the way that you guys are, are playing. So I guess on the flip side of obviously goal scoring and such has been a real positive for you guys recently. And you're able to pick up points on a consistent basis. What is it unbeaten in the league now since the start of November or just the 7th of November? I think it was the last time you lost yeah. a league match. What's been your downfall in some of the games? Some of the games where even if you've got the results, for example, the performances haven't necessarily been there. Is there any kind of particular weakness in that? Uh, is there anything that Lincoln may try to or maybe should try to exploit? Um, I think a, a, a problem area for us this season arguably could be our goalkeeper because we've had to mm-hmm. bring in Jed Steer, who's been really good since coming in. But there's maybe not been that that settled number one. And I think in a, in a lot of the wins that we picked up against Charlton and and Shrewsbury, we, we dominate the ball for large games. But mm. I think one of our weaknesses, we, we do allow teams into games when we should be maybe killing them off. I know we talked about the fact that we're quite potent, but mm. I think Darren Ferguson touched upon it yesterday. We beat Crawley Town in, in the EFL Trophy 2-1. But we had so many chances in that game where it could have been maybe 3 or 4-1. 
So I don't know if there's there's maybe a weakness in in the fact that we sometimes find it hard to kill games off. I know that sounds strange that we're the top scorers in the, in the league, but yeah. it could be a, a potential a potential weakness. Um, Lincoln could play into. Hi, I'm Rico Hackett, and you're listening to the Stacey West podcast. And there we go. Thanks to Keelan there, and of course Charlie for giving us the inside scoop on what's going on at Peterborough. Now, what is going on at Peterborough, Chris? It sounds like they are very good. <laughs> um, you know, it's the second week in a row that we played the second in the table. Um, obviously, last week was Derby. We've not well, helped knock them down a peg, um, and now Peterborough have taken their spot. And uh, it's going to be another difficult weekend for us at the bank. I think they're just a very, very good side that continually threaten to be one of the best in the division, season after season. I think this season they've actually nailed it. Um, They're playing good football. Uh, They have some fantastic players and they're in really good form. So please, please give me your brain and your your analytical nature and say that there is a chance that we can get something from this game and make me feel a bit positive because at the moment Mm -hmm. I'm a little bit scared. Okay, I think being scared is fair. Um, (laughs) But at the same time... There is something here for us. There absolutely is. Um, so I, I've done quite a bit of digging here, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I spent a lot of time on looking at numbers today. Um, <laughs> Strap now, in. Yeah. Uh, sometimes, I think it's worth pointing out, I know I'm always kind of, um, marketed isn't the right word, um, but <laughs> no, and I suppose is the stats guy, if you like, and the nerdy one. Um, I don't like looking at, Stats in in isolation. I really don't. So looking at just XG and nothing else, looking at just possession and nothing else doesn't tell the whole story. And sometimes you'll look at like a previewing or, or reviewing a game and there might be one or two things that stand out, but actually on the whole, it's just a bit kind of grey. There's no black or white. It's just yeah, a bit meh. And sometimes you'll look into the numbers and it tells you a hell of a lot because the context is there and there's so many stats that kind of lead and tell a real clear picture. Uh, and there's some quite bad news <laughs> for us in regards to, <laughs> to, to that. But there is also a little light at the end of the tunnel as well. So if you'll indulge me here, um, I'm going to share some statistics with you all. See, before I do, I just had one image that popped into my head when you started that. And you said, I don't like looking at statistics and things like that in isolation. And the only thing that was in my head was that image of Bob Mortimer on Would I Lie to You? <laughs> yeah, that's fair enough. <laughs> oh, I love I love him on there. He's brilliant. Go on, Chris. Well, um, I think your initial analysis of Peterborough are good is very accurate. They are Yay, very, very, very yeah. but they're very good. They're very good going, particularly very yep. good going forward. Um, unbeaten in 11, only lost one in their last 21 games. They have only scored fewer than two goals in one of their last 11. Um, they're pretty good, pretty good going forward. Um, so I'm just going to list a few metrics off here in which Peterborough are first in the league compared to everybody and normally you'll find that a team might be outstanding in one element but they kind of mid-table for other things Peter United are first four goal scored they are first four XG they are first four average possession they are also first four shots shots per 90 crosses one-on-one dribbles and touches in the opposition area 
They are the best in the league at pretty much every single attacking metric. And that obviously is quite scary. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, We've got a good defence. That's so. it. Yeah, we, we, our metrics defensively are pretty, are pretty solid. Um, but there are a couple of little caveats in here, which I thought were really interesting. Um, I'm going to continue with the bad news first, though. Because there's some individual stuff here as well. So they've got some real key players. And this is important context. Um, the key players primarily are um, Ephraim Mason Clark and Kwame Poku, who primarily will play in the two wide areas. They will always play, they almost always play 4 2 3 1. And, and Poku and Mason Clark play on the two wide areas. Um, they are, they have had. 28 goal involvements between the two of them, 14 each in terms of goals and assists combined. That puts them both joint uh, joint third in the league. And you know, normally a team will have one outstanding player. For example, Charlton with Alfie May. You know, he's carrying them, scored loads of goals, but everyone else in the team was really not, not pulling their weight in that regard. Um, Peterborough have got these two absolutely flying, creating loads, scoring loads. And then they are supported by their left-back, Harrison Burroughs, super attacking left-back. And they've also got uh, somebody who's started to get more and more starts recently, in um, Ricky J. Jones, who's been playing up front recently, but has also played out wide earlier in the season. Um, so basically, their the, the real threat is, is those, those wide players, though. They're the players that really carry them. Um, in terms of their construction, so this is how they create chances. Um, number of passes per 90, first in the league. Accuracy, first in the league. Key passes, so that's a pass that leads to a shot, mm-hmm. first in the league. Long passes, last in the league. So the fewest long passes of any team. Um, deep completions, second in the league. So second highest most number of passes in their own defensive third, though. And that's interesting. There's something um, about the phrase deep completions that just makes me giggle like a child. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, but here's the interesting thing. This is the interesting thing. Passes into final third, 20th. So they tend to bring the ball forward rather than pass it in. Progressive runs. First, so that's yeah. a run that is uh, yeah, yeah. more than 30 meters. Um, and that that's per, per 90, that's nearly 22 runs over 30 meters into the final third. Uh, this team with the second highest number is, is 16, by the way. So that is six more runs into the final third that are completed per game on average. Their key players are, are their wingers. Um, so basically what people do is they build up, build up, build up, build up deep to create a pass into a winger who then pegs it, basically, and, and, and <laughs> takes people's on and, and, and takes players on, creates chances from, from that area. So, so what, you're saying, what you're saying is Peterborough are every single irritating little 15-year-old that you end up playing on FIFA when you go online. Yes. Yes, they are. <laughs> yes. Um now, so that's the bad news. Um, but there's a little caveat in terms of what we can what we can do to stop them. But here is the good news, ladies and gentlemen. Defensively, a lot. they're not great. So they are superb attacking. Like they're really, really, really good. But defensively, mm-hmm. they're not. They're not terrible. Um, but they are certainly open. Um, and they're certainly not, I would say, aggressive defensively. They're not. Uh, there's no real enforcer in, in that team. So... Uh, in terms of goals conceded, they've only conceded one fewer than us. And bearing in mind there's mm-hmm. 10 places between the two clubs in the league, um, I think that, that says quite a big story. Um, so that's good. Shots against, they're 10th in the league, so they concede the 10th, mo- uh, 10th fewest most um, shots. But for a team that's second in the league, for nine clubs to be a- to concede fewer mm-hmm. shots against is, is, is encouraging. 
Um, we have won more of our defensive duels than they have, uh, which is interesting. Their aerial duel success puts them 15th in League One. So they're not particularly yeah. dominant aerially. They've also the only team in League One without a red card, and they have the second fewest number of yellows. So if you're kind of extrapolating from that, you would assume that that means that they're not the most aggressive in the challenge. So with all those numbers combined, everyone that's kind of zoned out for the last couple of minutes there, you can come <laughs> back now. Um, there's an analysis coming. Um, can we get something out of this game? Absolutely. Um, there's two things that we need to do, in my opinion. Number one, you have to stop the service to the wingers. You yeah. have to stop it. So I don't think, and it's, some people will feel, um, you know, ask if I'm all right after this. Are you feeling okay, Chris? Because you're going to say, don't press high. Yeah, I'm going to say, don't press high. I'm not saying we're passive, but I'm saying we let their centre-backs just rotate the ball as much as they want there, even their full-backs. We need to be good out of possession, organised out of possession. We need to have an organised press, but we don't need to have a high press. What we need to do is block the passing lanes through to their wingers. If we can do that, better than most other teams do in League One, which I have confidence that we can, then then that's going to really help us. And then how do we actually get something out of it at the other end? We win ugly, guys. We win ugly. We create aerial duels. So we get the bullet to Freddy early. We set up for set pieces. We, we get throwings. We get corners. We send the big guys forward. That's that's how we can do this. And I think playing a front two is interesting for this because that, that pins Freddie against one of their centre-backs. And if you can get Joe Taylor kind of working off that, ex-posh player, of course, is going to have a bit of a, you'd like to think a, a bit of a chip on his shoulder uh, in that <laughs> regard. And that sometimes goes quite well. We know what happened with hacks in that regard. So ultimately, yeah. can we get something from this? Yeah, I really, I genuinely think we can. I I, I came out of Derby so positive. I thought it was such mm-hmm. a brilliant performance. Um if any team was going to win it, I think it would have been us on, on the key chances, but I was delighted with a with a point and a clean sheet. Um, Peterborough are better attacking than Derby, but they are worse defending. That's the simple terms. But the specifics are, can we stop them <coughs> feeding their wing back wingers? And if we press too high too soon too, and, and leave too much space, and I think we can get hurt. Um, but when we get the ball, if we can be really aggressive with it, you get to think of how Freddie Draper played against Derby. That style of... Yeah. Kind of performance from everybody, you know, kind of just beating them up a little bit, being a bit rough, being a bit ready, being a bit old school, probably. Um, I think, I that's, think the... that's, I think that's how we get something out of this game. It's not how I'd necessarily want us just to play all the time. Uh, and, I, and I'm not saying this is, you know, we're just going to lump it all the time, kind of Stevenage and ex Wickham style. But I think in terms of can we have a bit of physicality and aggression about us? I think that's how we get something from this. I really do. Yeah, I mean, look, from from what I've seen of Peterborough this season, obviously we had the away game, which wasn't great, but I've seen other bits from Peterborough this year and it, it, it does just seem, like you've said, you know, they'll try and get it out wide when they have the space available. If we can stop that, great. Um, it's whether we can, but going forward, I think, is the interesting point for me. Obviously, you, ask, you look at something, what, you, you asked this question a month ago and we, we get battered. I think we mm-hmm. this game this time last month we would get absolutely hammered in this match. However, I think now having seen just the way that things changed on Saturday and the way that we played with the confidence and the way that we played with that almost a little bit of swagger against Derby and you you, you sat there and thinking this is Derby they're second in the table how are we managing to do this and, and keep them at bay while also looking very threatening. I mean I I. I, I did uh, have to chuckle when I heard Gary uh, losing his mind a little bit and saying that XG was pointless um, <laughs> <laughs> for that game. Um, but look, 
you know, we, we had two chances there from Joe Taylor, who I cannot believe how fast he he was and how effortless he made it look. Um, you look back at the highlights and he just breezes past his men on two occasions and it's genuinely terrifying like how quick he is and how dangerous that can be. I think if we are able to, like you've mentioned, get the ball, maybe not lumping it all the time and you know playing proper old school John Beck heavy metal football, but if we're able to get the ball into Freddie Draper who had a phenomenal game at, you know, holding Cashin off on, on Saturday. If he can do that on Saturday against Peterborough and use his strength and use what he's developed away while on loan to either hold the ball up and release Joe Taylor or hold the ball up, turn and go with the strength that he's got now, I feel a lot more confident than I would have done this time last month. Yeah, um, I could just... Uh... Agree. Not a lot else to add, really, other than yes. Um, imagine we played these on Boxing Day, oh, on New Year's Day. Sorry, like we'd have been battered, like you say, like we te- that that the te- missing ten players or whatever it was, like it was for that yeah. that Blackpool <laughs> game. Play that against Peterborough, you get you get absolutely handed it. Um, yeah. But it's amazing what a bit of time on the training ground, one or two new faces, mm-hmm. uh, and some returning faces, and a bit of confidence can do. You know, weeks a long time in football, isn't it? And I just, I just, I'm still buzzing from last Saturday to the next Derby <laughs> game because it was so. It wasn't just a result; it was a performance, but it was so much more around it. There was just so many positives there, yeah. um, and I'm really coming into this thinking we can do something because we are good defensively. I think we're improving in terms of our aggressiveness out of possession. You know, we, under Mark Kennedy, we were solid, but we were passive. I think mm-hmm. now we're reasonably solid, but we're we're a little bit more aggressive as well. And I think that's how you beat Peterborough. And um, I would be delighted with a point again. I was going to say, I'm, I'm not, I'm not confident that we're going to beat them. I'm, I'm going to say that this will be a score draw. Mm. I did say Both one all last week. Would be an interesting bet because Peter are obviously going to have that. Um, yeah. There's going to be more space to play into. There's going to be more space in behind now than there was against Derby, and obviously we know what happened when Joe Taylor exploited the, the, the space behind Derby's defence. So you'd like to think that that's that's a positive for us. I'm going to go on a whim here. I think we're going to win which sounds stupid with everything I've just said in regards to uh, how Peter play and the run they're on and, and, and whatnot. I, I just can, I can see it because I think our strengths that, that we had historically this season in terms of the, the solidity are, are still pretty much there. And if, mm-hmm. if Alex Mitchell has a game like he did and, I, and Adam Jackson had a game like they had uh, last week, by the way, Adam Jackson has had the most blocked shots in the league out of any player spotted that earlier which doesn't surprise me at all to be honest <laughs> watching no. the games um but i just think defensively we we have the attributes to nullify them we're not going to keep them completely mm-hmm. quiet because they're good they're going to have some chances there's no doubt about that but can they can we reduce the number of chances they have compared to their normal games and against like an average opposition i really do think our strengths are there and i think what we've shown in terms of what we've improving at in our kind of forward ability and our just our aggressiveness going forwards I, I just think there's something here for us. I really, really do. I'd be delighted with a point. I think yeah. it's a chance. I think it's a chance of three. I really do think it's a chance of three. And there's not a, not a part of my brain thinks we're going to lose this game. And that might be naive, uh, to be honest. But <laughs> you know, the, the positivity that I've come out of Derby with, and the analysis that I've, I've looked into here, I can just I can just see this stuff. And you know, I'm an idiot. And if I can see this, you'd like to think that Michael Skibala knows this as well. The coaching team have been planning for this for a few weeks. Um, so yeah, I just thought I've noticed. A genuine plan here because sometimes you look you, you preview teams and I'm not sure how you play against these like specifically mm. what are their weaknesses with Peterborough it's obvious it's in your face 
Yeah. It's just it's so you know the what. It's just the how. Yeah. Um. So I'm just I just like I just trust Michael Skibola and the coaching staff, and I'm positive about going into this. So yeah, I'll may I might I may die on this hill and look very silly come Sunday afternoon, but as it stands, score draw or a Lincoln win. Fair enough. I mean, look, the the pre-match press conference with Marcus Kubala, um, he said that the club feels like it's in a different place at the moment, which to me suggests that there is an awful lot of positivity running through the camp. Um, he was also asked about Danny Mandroyu because obviously his suspension is up on Saturday. Um, a bit of a bit of a spiky question, maybe. It is um, a bit harsh. Yeah, um, you know, is is do you trust Danny Mandroyu? And it's like, well, look, the trust is okay, but I think the common sense element needs to be there. I'm not quoting, this is just paraphrasing. It's basically, look, I, I trust him, but don't do it again kind of thing. You know, it's sort of, um, yeah, the, you know, the um, the disciplinary record is, is maybe not the best, let's be fair, but I think, yeah, knowing um, that he can come back into the side and make a difference. Do we think he starts on Saturday or do we think Ted Bishop starts on Saturday? Because as Gary has said multiple times, you play one, but not both. I don't agree. I, yeah, I, I agree. Both of them aren't going to be on the pitch at the same time. At any yeah. point, I don't think. Um, for me, I think you play the exact starting lineup from Saturday. Mm-hmm. Uh, not just because you don't change a team that's successful. I don't necessarily agree with that. I think it's a bit horses for courses at times. Sometimes you need to make a little change. But I don't think we need to make a change here. Um, mm-hmm. Assuming Ted is fit, you know, he got through 90 minutes. We had a whole week. To, to recover, I, I fully expect Ted to start, and I would like to see him in that central role again. Yep. Um, Ethan Hamilton playing in that slightly wider role, I think, did limit his ability, his his, his skill set a little bit. Um, but if we we're trying to press wide areas really aggressively, I think that probably sticks for this game. Um, and yeah, I, I would expect to see Denny Mandrew come on, uh, and if he does come on, I expect him to play in that wide, that wider inverted kind of winger role, and then. Hamilton, Hamilton probably goes yeah. central and then Ted comes off. But um, yeah, I don't think he starts for me, and that's nothing against him. That's just the fact that we've been good against we've been good against uh, Derby with the system that we play. We were good against Wickham in spells, and obviously the end of the game was fantastic. I think he's just got to be patient. He's got he's got to earn that that place back. And I think when Pordy's fit, the same has to be said for him, regardless yeah, of the fact that he's our captain. I think yeah. he has to be patient and, and earn, earn the spot just like everybody else. Yeah, I know that this was mentioned a few weeks ago on the podcast when we were talking about the squad in general, um, myself and Charlie. And Charlie said back then, I don't think Pawnee walks back into the side. And given the recent performances, neither do I. Mm-hmm. I, I think, you know, it's going to take something pretty, pretty spectacular to knock out uh, Jackson or Mitchell. From from either of those two spots, and then obviously, you know, we, we talk about Sean Rowan earlier making that dual role. I guess is is uh, his own at the moment as well. So, yeah, going to be a couple of interesting weeks for the Imps, isn't it? So um, it is. And as much as I, as positive as I am, of course, going into this game, and, and I just look for, I just like playing Peterborough because when well, I don't like playing them, I just don't like we them don't very win, much. Though. We never no, we win. win, but it, it just feels like it's. An, I like a local derby. It's the nearest we've got to a local derby, and I don't really like them very much. I just find Peterborough United quite irritating, yeah. uh, to be honest, because it just feels like they're the sort of club that we'd like to be in a few years' time. Yeah, and, and they're, they're always at that point, though, aren't they? They're always the club who do what we want to do and 
I don't really like Dara McAntony, but I respect him. Yeah, same. It's like a yeah, it's a, a regretful respect, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. It's like um, the end of Anchorman, where he pulls him out of the bear pit. He goes, "I hate you, but I respect you." <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, that's it. But there's nothing better than beating your local rivals, and for me, they are because we haven't played our proper rivals for ages. So for me, yeah. they are. They really are the closest thing we've got at the moment. Um, big game, but. Um, as positive as I am going into this, thinking we can get something out of it. If we don't get something out of it, that doesn't derail us because like what I think is February has got five games. It looks a lot all lighter. Five, all five games are winnable games. Not going to yeah. say we're going to get 15 points, but we can go into each of those games thinking this, there's a legitimate argument for three points here. Like I'm hopeful on Saturday that we can get three and really hopeful that we can get at least one. But in each of those next five games from February, that's when I think we really kick on. This could be a yeah. great kickstart to that, but I don't think it, it, it massively impacts our ability in those next five games. Those five games will probably, though, dictate the rest of our season. Yeah, absolutely. I think the uh, going into Derby last week, I thought to myself, if we get anything from the next two games, it's going to be a massive bonus. Um, but like you say, February is looking a little bit easier on the uh, on the squad than it is uh, from from these games in January. So, look, that's going to do us for Peterborough and indeed for the podcast. Um, I don't think there's anything else that we need to touch on unless anything has dropped in the past hour while we've been recording, but nothing's popped up in the, uh, in the Discord while we've been doing it. So uh, I think we're good for that. Thank you for joining me, Chris. It is always a pleasure. Um, we will no doubt catch up on that Saturday, have a, a beer or a coffee. Um, or whatever it is we fancy um but nothing to plug i don't believe either i think fundraising pages for uh the 10k will probably be going up soon yeah so i would have thought soon um any donations of course welcome thank you everybody Absolutely. in advance for that uh we've yeah. set ourselves a little targets each so that'll be useful of course only if you feel don't able die to. <laughs> yeah that's the that's the that's the main <laughs> aim isn't it please don't yeah. die <laughs> uh, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. Well, uh, we mentioned at the start of the podcast we weren't going to touch on the run too much at all, but I think it's worth just pointing out you had a little setback and you've smashed getting back into it again, mate. And I think it's only worth putting it out because I know you were gutted when you had that little injury and it's the hardest part getting back on yeah. the wagon again and you've got back on the wagon and smashed it. So I think I was absolutely fair play to you. I was absolutely fuming. It was just during my walk, like do a little warm up walk and then go off for my, you know, my little segments of running and i just felt something pop and i couldn't put any weight on it for about a, two or three days i was gutted but uh yeah back in the swing of it and um i've got to wear a belt now chris good it's amazing <laughs> it's nice. you know what though in all seriousness it's so nice when you get those little kind of real life reminders of things that are changing hmm. because they're the things that stick in your mind and those little kind of nudges that keep you moving in the right direction and a little pat on the back isn't it so yeah, yeah. you've got to sell it you've got to celebrate those wins mate and keep it going if I can drop a letter off my uh, my shirt size next season, I'm going to be a happy chap. I so, have uh, no doubt. I have no doubt that would be the case <laughs> if you keep up with this. No, but uh, look, again, thanks for um, thanks for joining me and thanks for everybody that's uh, sent kind and middling messages so far around everything that's been going on with the 10K. So um, until Sunday, I believe it's Gary and Charlie on Sunday. Um, and until then, we'll see you soon. And up the imps. Up the imps.
craziest minute and all your mates around watching the imps on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share boxes on the go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, but then you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.